welcome back to the Evans-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and this is episode 40. But it's actually episode one of a new podcast that I'm putting together with Dr. Anisha Dua. Uh, the new podcast is entitled Room for Debate. It's going to be an Oxford-styled debate podcast for the field of rheumatology. We've been excited about starting this podcast, and I'm looking forward to bringing you the first episode. So with that, I'd actually like to pass over to Dr. Dua to introduce the motion for our first debate. And if you have any thoughts about the podcast as well, feel free to share. Um, Thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm really excited that we are actually going to be starting with our first debate. Like Mike said, uh, we've been talking about this idea for quite a while. So um, the debate we're going to be having on today's podcast is about treatment strategies in patients with scleroderma and progressive interstitial lung disease. About half of our patients with diffuse scleroderma will develop interstitial lung disease, and one of the difficulties in managing these patients is that disease progression can be heterogeneous. We know that screening for lung involvement is critical in our management of our patients, but once we find those changes, uh, the question of when to initiate therapy and what therapy should be initiated is a matter of debate. We know we've tried different um, options, including immune-suppressive drugs, antifibrotic agents, um, and more recently, the use of autologous stem cell transplantation has emerged as a potential treatment option. Um, we're always forced to ask ourselves and explain to our patients why we decide to take a certain course of action, as all of our modalities have significant risks. So with that background, the discussion today will address the motion. Stem cell transplantation is the first-line therapy for progressive interstitial lung disease in systemic sclerosis. Debating for the motion will be Dr. Michael Putman. He's a secondary rheumatology fellow here at Northwestern and has been hosting this evidence-based rheumatology podcast. Debating against this motion will be Dr. Chase Korea, currently an instructor of medicine at Northwestern University, and he will be the co-director of the Scleroderma Center. So before we get into the debate, I want to let you know the results of the pre-debate Twitter poll. We had 60 responses to the poll with 25% supporting the motion and 75% opposed to the motion. We'd like to thank our Twitter followers for voting and encourage all of you to vote again after the debate so we can see if we get to change anyone's mind. Again, the motion we are debating is stem cell transplant is the first-line therapy for progressive interstitial lung disease in systemic sclerosis. I'd like to thank Dr. Putman for taking on the task of arguing in support of this motion. All right. Thank you, Dr. Dua, for the introduction. And thank you, Chase, for being the first guest on the podcast. So my opening remarks are going to be a brief history lesson of randomized trials in scleroderma. So let's start with scleroderma lung study number one. This is a 2006 multi-center double-blind randomized controlled trial assessing oral cyclophosphamide against placebo. The primary endpoint was FVC. This is a surrogate endpoint, and they saw a 2.5% increase. It's not clear to me that that even matters. I had a patient in clinic a while back whose FVC had gone up by about 10%. And what did she tell me? She said, I feel worse. There's a small improvement in breathlessness in this trial and a small questionably relevant improvement in HACK and SF36. So with that unimpressive result, in 2016, we did scleroderma lung study number two. This is a double-blind, multi-center, randomized controlled trial to see if mycophenolate could beat cyclophosphamide. Again, the change in FVC was the primary outcome. Unfortunately, cell sept was not significantly better, though it was better tolerated. More importantly, 11% of patients in this trial died from progressive interstitial lung disease. Then last week, we got the 2019 New England Journal publication of Census, a multi-center randomized controlled trial of Nintendinib-verse placebo. We really hope this would help. The primary outcome? FVC. What do we see? 1.2% less worsening in the treatment group. Both groups actually got worse. 50% of the patients were on MMF, so it's not like they hadn't been treated. 
there's no meaningful change in patient report outcomes, and there are a lot more side effects. In summary, across randomized controlled trials, medical management gets you a small improvement in a surrogate outcome, minimal if any change in patient report outcomes, and no change in mortality. For me, that's an unacceptable state of affairs. So now let's talk about stem cell transplant. There have been three trials in stem cell transplant, all of which showed similar findings. Scott was the most recent, so I'll talk about that. It was a multi-center randomized double-blind trial of myeloablative stem cell transplant against cyclophosphamide. Patients had systemic sclerosis with either renal involvement or ILD. The primary endpoint was a global rank composite score, which is silly and I don't want to talk about it. More importantly, in a per-protocol analysis, the rate of death from cause-specific mortality was 21% in the stem cell transplant group and 50% in the cyclophosphamide group. That's number needed to treat of three to prevent death. An intention to treat analysis looked similar, 28% versus 51%, a number needed to treat of five to prevent death. That was barely not significant. Across the board at 54 months, stem cell transplant was better, including a 35% absolute risk reduction in requiring DMARDs. 0% developed CHF or PAH versus 12 and 15% in the medical management group. There are two reasons that I support this motion. The first is that Celsept and cyclophosphamide and now nintetinib don't work very well. The second is that stem cell transplant does. Patients with systemic sclerosis and progressive ILD deserve an evaluation for stem cell transplant, and I urge everyone to vote yes on the motion. Uh, thank you, Dr. Putman, for that compelling argument. Um, and now we will hear from our other speaker today, uh, Dr. Korea, who will be again arguing against the notion that stem cell transplant is the first-line therapy for progressive interstitial lung disease and systemic sclerosis. Thank you, Chase, for joining us. Go ahead. Thank you very much for inviting me here. So uh, I definitely believe that stem cell transplant has a role in progressive interstitial lung disease from systemic sclerosis. In carefully selected patients who have been fully informed of the risks, benefits, and alternatives of stem cell transplant, it's a reasonable option. However, this resolution saying that stem cell transplant is the first-line therapy goes too far. First, there is the well-described, substantial, upfront treatment-related mortality from stem cell transplant that cannot be ignored or minimized. In early years, this treatment-related mortality was as high as 20%. In one of the more recent three randomized controlled trials, the 2011 ASSIST trial, the mortality was 10.1% in the first year. The European Bone Marrow Transplant Registry lists their uh, current 100-day treatment mortality at 5%, 1 in 20 patients. Major stem cell transplant centers will list their mortality in the 4 to 5% range. Second, I worry that this resolution will result in further treatment delay because of the process of, of obtaining a stem cell transplant. I already worry about substantial treatment delays in my patients because early treatment is ideal and the early symptoms can be difficult for physicians to recognize. Patients uh, can have all sorts of different complaints as their first um, presenting symptom in systemic sclerosis. Eventually, they refer to a rheumatologist, but the average wait across the U.S. is three months. Then there's further workup in insurance appeals that can add to the time of treatment. If people interpret that stem cell transplant is first line, they may believe that they shouldn't bother trying other appropriate treatment like mycophenolate mofetil, which, by the way, has been shown to demonstrate an improvement in both functional vital capacity and modified rodent skin score. The fact is, not everyone who is screened for a stem cell transplant can or should get one. A stem cell transplant referral requires waiting for an appointment to get a stem cell transplant, obtaining the necessary 
screening, fighting with insurance companies, and it adds up. The screening tests, including labs, stress echo, PFTs, right heart cath, cardiac MRI, cardiology, immunology, and rheumatology input, uh, can add up to months of additional treatment delays in those who don't qualify. Even if all of that happens quickly, then there's the cost, which may or may not be covered by insurance. The evaluation for a stem cell transplant costs about $30,000, and the stem cell mobilization, harvesting, conditioning, and transplantation costs an additional $100,000. Because of this substantial cost, and because not all patients are approved, I have um, been asked occasionally about international stem cell transplant centers, but have little ability to assess independently how safe they truly are. I worry that we may see worse outcomes with expansion of stem cell transplant treatment. I think the long-term risk-to-benefit ratio of stem cell transplant is also misunderstood. Stem cell transplant does have a mortality benefit and has been demonstrated to improve ILD and MRSS. However, it doesn't cure the disease, which patients frequently think it does. Patients still suffer from numerous disease manifestations, such as GERD, Raynaud's, and uh, vascular ectasias. There's still risk of systemic sclerosis progression, late cancers, and gonadal failure. Instead, inappropriate patients, in conjunction with their rheumatologists, treatment should be directed towards alternatives that have been shown to be effective with lower short-term and long-term treatment-related mortality. It is reasonable to present stem cell transplant as an option, but it should not be considered automatic first-line therapy. Well, thank you, Chase, for that um, strong argument uh, against using stem cell therapy as uh, first-line treatment for progressive interstitial lung disease and systemic sclerosis. Um, I'm just going to ask you guys a couple of questions that came up when I was listening to your talk. So, um, Mike, one of the things that Chase had brought up while he was talking about stem cell transplant is some of the risks with upfront mortality when we're treating patients with this. Um, can you comment on this? Yeah, I think that's an important issue uh, because, it, it, in fact, what you're doing here is you're trading less long-term mortality at the risk of upfront mortality. And specifically, the trial that Chase is discussing is the ASTIS trial. This was published in JAMA a couple years back. Uh, and in that trial, there was 10% upfront mortality. But the Scott trial that was more recently published only had 3%. So I think the, the pivotal question is, what's the difference between the two? The main things are that in the Scott trial, there was less smoking. And most importantly, in the Scott trial, there were no patients who had cardiomyopathy. Um, in the ASTIS trial, you couldn't have pulmonary hypertension, which is true for all of these trials. But in particular, those patients could have a low EF. And we don't think that they tolerate cyclophosphamide very well. So I, I think for stem cell transplant, patient selection is going to be key and uh, making sure that you're referring the right patients and that the right patients are getting uh, this therapy. Okay, thank you. And Chase, I know when Mike was discussing some of these trials, he had mentioned that uh, the primary endpoint of the Scott trial was somewhat weak. Can you comment on what you think about the endpoints and yeah, Mike, uh, Mike tried to kind of scoop by the primary outcome of the Scott trial, but uh, they had a lower than expected enrollment, which led from uh, led to a change in their primary outcome to this global rank composite outcome. And uh, the thing that I really noticed as I was reading through the Scott trial is that in their manuscript, they explicitly state that the purpose of this new outcome is to treat early and late deaths as equal. And that is exactly what my concern is, is that no Nowhere else in chronic, potentially deadly diseases do we treat early deaths as equivalent to late deaths. We are always trying to delay death. And so by, by creating a primary outcome measure that 
explicitly treats them the same is um, inappropriate, in my opinion. All right. Um, that is also a solid argument. Um, another thing that I sort of noticed and wanted to ask about, um, you know, Chase brought up the point of treatment delays. And, you know, with the use of stem cell therapy, a lot of these patients, it takes a while before, before we even diagnose them with the disease, find the interstitial changes, and then eventually even get them care. And with using stem cell transplant as a first line, it might even expand this delay and make it longer for patients to actually get the right care. And Mike, can you comment on what you think we could do about that? I mean, I guess when I say first-line therapy, I don't mean that we're going to refer and not do anything while we wait. Um, if I have a patient with small vessel vasculitis, I order them rituximab, um, but I start them on prednisone in the meantime. And so I do think that it's reasonable to start a patient on MMF or cyclophosphamide, but I don't think that should be your plan. I think the plan should be to refer um, to stem cell transplant and use that in case you don't get it. In the Scott trial, for instance, 30-some percent of people had gotten cyclophosphamide already. 70% had been on DMARD. So it wasn't that these patients went into stem cell transplant not receiving therapy. I think it's reasonable to start them on therapy in the meantime. And I, I think the flip side is also important, which is the delay uh, in getting stem cell transplant if you're mucking around with cyclophosphamide and Celsept. Like I said, there was a relatively high mortality in the cyclophosphamide and Celsep trials. And as patients' disease progresses, they're more likely to develop a low ejection fraction, um, pulmonary hypertension, or things that excluded them from getting stem cell transplant. So if anything, I think it's important to put stem cell transplant as first-line therapy so people can get it before they've developed all of the side effects that will preclude it. Fair enough. So we know that patient selection is obviously key. And finding the right patients exactly at the right time um, to make our therapies effective is, is obviously a thing that we need to consider and think about. Um, and just the last question I have before you guys can go into your closing arguments. You know, this is kind of a timely discussion. Just this past week in the New England Journal of Medicine, um, there was an article on nintetinib for systemic sclerosis and uh, associated interstitial lung disease. And Chase, do you think that with the this new article and the new information that we've gleaned from it, does this change your argument at all, or how does this play into your algorithm? Yeah, in reality, I'm still digesting the census trial. Um, however, it did show that Nintendib did show a significantly, statistically significant difference in the annual rate of progression of FVC. And one thing I'd just like to um, point out um, uh, to make sure that it's clear, the difference between the two groups was approximately 1.2%. However, the relative difference was closer to 50% between the Nintendib arm and the placebo arm. But the other thing that I'd really like to point out is that the mortality rate in this trial in the Nintendib arm was 1.7% and the placebo arm was 1.4%. And I do wonder if overall we're actually just seeing less mortality from this disease. In part, that might be because far more patients are using mycophenolate mofetil. And I'd just like to point out that there's still no trial that has ever compared stem cell transplant to what's actually used first line in uh, systemic sclerosis, which is mycophenolate. Thank you so much. That's enough for my questions. I think I'll give you guys a chance to do uh, about a minute for uh, your closing arguments. All right. Well, thank you again to Dr. Correa and Dr. Dua for doing this debate. In closing, I would say you've heard some excellent arguments from both sides. I'll be the first to admit that the Scott trial was flawed. I think their input was unforgivable and that there was high mortality in the ASTIS trial. But none of this matters. Celsept and cyclophosphamide and now nintetinib don't work. 
very well. Stem cell transplant has consistently demonstrated impressive improvements in pulmonary function and patient reported outcomes. More importantly, it is shown in two large randomized controlled trials that it confers a mortality benefit over cyclophosphamide. Rheumatologists frequently bring our place, patients from a place of suffering to a place of wellness. We're good at that. One thing we don't often get to do is save lives. In the case of systemic sclerosis and progressive ILD, you have that opportunity. I urge you to vote yes on the motion and refer your patients with systemic sclerosis who meet criteria to a center that performs stem cell transplant. Thank you so much. And um, we will move on to Chase, who will be giving his closing arguments on why not to use stem cell transplant as first-line therapy. Stem cell transplant is a great therapy for the right patient. However, it is not appropriate to be automatic first-line therapy. Even if the expansion to less experienced stem cell transplant centers can maintain an upfront mortality of 5%, that is simply unacceptable to some patients. There are also long-term consequences, continued risk of progression, cancers that get realistically little attention next to the upfront mortality. Finally, I didn't get a chance to discuss this in more detail, but we're increasingly able to use clinical parameters PFT parameters, and even gene expression to predict systemic sclerosis outcomes. I would argue that as we're better able to predict systemic sclerosis outcomes, we can better predict those who are at such a low risk of mortality that a high-risk, high-reward treatment like stem cell transplant is more likely to cause harm than benefit. In the meantime, it remains an option that should be discussed, but there is no way that I or any other rheumatologist should agree with the resolution as stated that stem cell transplant is the first-line therapy for interstitial lung disease. Thank you so much. Thank both of you for your strong, wonderful arguments today, and I look forward to doing more of these debate-style podcasts in the future. And uh, Mike? (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot. I hope everyone enjoyed that three brief plugs before I leave. Um, So first, please, if you're enjoying this podcast, share it with friends. Um, The second is that you can find all three of us on Twitter. I'm at EBRoom. Dr. Dua is at at Anisha underscore Dua. And Chase is at ChaseCore4, C-H-A-S-E-C-O-R-4. And last but not least, the most important part of this is to go online and vote for the motion or against the motion. I will put out a Twitter poll just as this podcast airs. And if you've listened to this episode, please go to EB Room and vote on whether or not you support the motion after hearing the arguments. Thanks again and have a great week.